0: Hi, everybody. You're listening to Bottled in China podcast. I'm your host, Emily Seichenborn, and this is the podcast where we dive into the delicious and fascinating world of food and beverage with market leaders from around the world. Today, we're going to be discussing the U.S. wine market, what's been happening the last few months and where it's headed in the next few years. The real question is, are we going to be bouncing back in the next couple of months and get back to 2019 or even previous to that? We're going to find out more in this podcast. Today, our guest is Andrew Adams from Wine Vines Analytics. Now, Andrew Adams is the editor of Wine Analytics Report. And the Wine Vines Analytics is one of the most trusted sources for the latest wine data. Every month, they release the in-depth publication, which is their report, and that focuses on trends and insights into the U.S. wine industry. Andrew Adams is also a frequent panelist and moderator at prominent wine industry events and webinars. Now, if you're new to kind of wrapping your head around the three-tier system in the U.S., it is quite complicated. So if you still want to learn more about that, our previous podcast with Carl from Sovo Ship Compliant dives into that and we also discuss shipment for e-commerce and direct a consumer for the US market. Now before we get started in this podcast, you can also make sure to follow us on Instagram at Bottled in China. You can reach out there, request some cool topics if you want to hear about something and you can also click five stars on iTunes if you love this podcast or share it with a friend. A last message to anybody in California, wishing everybody is safe, especially right now with all the fires and everything going on, sending our best wishes and safety your way. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to Bottled in China today. I'm actually very excited because we're going to be speaking about the state of the U.S. wine market, also discussing something that's useful for everybody, wine data, and also job trends that we should be keeping an eye on. So today we're going to be speaking with Andrew Adams from Wine Finds Analytics. Andrew, welcome to Bottled in China.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited to get uh, get into it and talk about what we do and uh, what we've been seeing in terms of, you know, frankly, major changes, as as I'm sure your listeners might expect, to the U.S. wine market. And they look to be pretty significant and actually long-lasting too. So it's uh, definitely things have changed quite a bit here in the States.
0: Right. And I think for everybody who is listening, as you just mentioned, we're all going through it together. But Before, I feel a lot of trends didn't always impact every single group on trade, off trade, uh, the individuals, but COVID is changing that COVID is impacting everybody from start to finish. And I'm actually very interested because of course, wine vines analytics offers so much data, it offers so much insights to anybody in the wine industry. And I want to talk to you about that. Can you share a little bit more regarding wine vines analytics and a little bit more, Andrew, about your journey in the wine industry and background?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I am um, really a journalist. That's my that's my background. I attended the University of Oregon, studied journalism. And then I was in newspapers for about a decade in Oregon and California on the West Coast of the United States. And I had grown up in Sonoma, County, California, the uh, small town of Sonoma. There's Sonoma County, but there's actually a town of Sonoma. It's, pr- it's pretty small. And so I, I just bring that up because I had a lot of friends in the wine industry. My father actually worked in it. So I, I always knew the wine business in a pretty intimate way and always had an interest in it and so fast forward to uh, 2008 when we were in our last major recession and really at that point it was clear that I needed to make a change the newspaper industry was going through some severe pain that still is unfortunately but really I, I needed to you know and I was at a point in my life where I just wanted to make a change so that I could kind of advance forward. And, you know, I I fell back on for wine. I actually worked in wine production at a winery here in Napa for three harvests. And that was a fantastic education in winemaking. And I saw a job at a uh, trade publication, Wines and Vines. have been around for a long time. Some of your listeners might know the the name of the magazine. And I worked for there, and that was a very traditional B2B publication. But I was also doing, like, winemaking and stuff. But we also launched fairly soon before I joined the magazine what what was called Wine Industry Metrics. And those are key data points, specifically total U.S. wine sales, off-premise sales, DTC shipments and and winery jobs. And and I should say that I think the trade, we also use off-premise or, you know, it's the retail segment of the industry. So we tracked those. DTC shipments was really a kind of a marquee metric for us because we had partnered with compliance specialists, ship compliant, and um, we developed a model based off of our winery database. And now I'm getting into our data stuff too. So we have the most accurate and complete database of all wineries in North America. And so based on that, we built a very sophisticated mathematical model that took anonymous shipment data from that compliance company, because what they did is they, as states opened up to winery direct shipments, they ensured that those shipments all complied with uh, the multiple layers of regulation because, you know, alcohol is very tightly regulated in the United States. And when you, when you start talking about different states, it gets even more complicated. So that's how we have that DTC metric. And so that was, that was something we definitely wanted to, to highlight. And we did that through regular reporting on, on wine industry metrics. So we did that for several years. And then so in 2019, you know, things were starting to change again. It, and it really became clear that our company, which also produced, published the leading wine trade magazine, Wine Business Monthly, didn't really need both print publications. So they merged Wines and Vines into Wine Business Monthly and then I was, I, tasked, uh, I was tasked with launching a brand new publication that's called the Wine Analytics Report. And at its heart is those metrics that I talked about, but we also complement that with uh, original reporting and data from other market research companies principally Nielsen, again, the DTC data we get from SHIP Compliant and in our, in our model partnership with them. We also partnered and invested in a company called Gomberg Fredrickson, which has a very long history in the US market and has specifically been tracking the three tier or wholesale part of the market and is, and is really the gold standard. When it comes to that part of the industry. And also BW166, which is another market research firm that gives us uh, numbers on the entire US market. So, a lot of companies and information there, but at the at the crux, what we do is we're a data company drawing off of our database and other data services, editorial company that I put in the analytics report, you know, in, in the traditional magazine Wine Business Monthly. And then um, we also do events. I should mention that as well. We're we're a leading uh, production uh, company of the some of the best known events in the American wine industry. So that's what we do.
0: There's actually quite a lot, though, right?
1: <laughs> and so, if you want me to, to to clarify any of that, I'd be more than happy to.
0: I mean, it's perfect. I think for everybody who is you know, really into the wine industry and working in the wine industry. Everybody knows that you guys are the go-to. And just for our listeners, you we were just talking about ship compliant. Well, the episode that should be coming out right before you is actually with Alex from Sovo's ship compliant regarding all the type of procedures and compliance with shipping within the US. So we actually cover that. So for anybody who is interested to learn a little bit more about the breakdown of the US market, it comes right before yours. So hopefully that's a good segue into yours. And something you mentioned also was Wine and Vines magazine. I remember that actually was my birthday gift for my fiance in 2016 when I started my MW journey. And it is my absolute most favorite magazine. And I was so sad when it, when it kind of stopped. So I absolutely am a huge fan of you guys. And for anybody in the wine industry, you know, everything you guys are producing is top notch. It's like you said, you're taking all the information and you're centralizing it. And that is very important because we don't have time to go through a hundred different websites. We need one thing that gives us the right information so we can see clearly and make accurate decisions.
1: Well, thank you so much, and and you know I'm really I'm really touched that you hear you say that about Wines and Vines. It was a real honor. I felt working there and then actually being the editor of the magazine for its last year as its own standalone publication, which actually was its 100th in in publication, I thought was a tremendous honor. And I'll just add, you know, if you found that information useful, I'm very happy to hear it. And if any of your listeners are interested, they can find it through our website and also through winebusiness.com. Most of it, I think, is available and yeah it's a great resource in terms of winemaking technique and region so i'm i'm happy to hear that and that and what we're doing now is is to your other point is really what kind of my vision for the analytics report is is really a one source of, you know, for a real excellent in-depth snapshot of what's going on in the US industry in that particular moment. And, you know, each each issue we also do a specific focus, which changes, but you mm-hmm. know, at the heart are still those metrics. You can kind of get a, a sense of the health of the of the wine business.
0: Right. And talking about the health of the wine business, I want to jump into that because wow. What a challenging year, and also what a year to hopefully explore opportunities, but I want to talk about that. I mean, recent figures, of course, in the wine market, and we're speaking, for anybody listening, again, it's U.S. based, okay? We're not talking about China today. We're talking specific for U.S. I know a lot of our listeners are based in the U.S., so this is going to be super handy for you guys so Andrew, you know, we've seen of course the market is down overall 5% in the last 12 months and compared to June 2, 2019 it's down overall 19%. So so many things are changing, you know, regulations implemented in the end of March so the numbers are are really a little bit worse and we didn't think that today in august or end of august we'd be in the same situation you know that everything's still closed everything's still kind of under lockdown what are your thoughts about this year is it worse than you initially expected at the beginning of march
1: definitely yeah and you know it's, it's i wish i <laughs> wish i didn't you know, feel but i mean it is it is worse and i think it's because you know we're still, the on-premises still shut down, you know, and um, I I mean, restaurants where I live in Napa and they're trying to do as best they can setting up like, you know, improvised outdoor areas. And I think they're they're doing as best they can kind of limping day to day. But I mean, we're not anywhere near normal in terms of restaurant bars. And, you know, that's almost 40% of total US market value. And you know, 2019, we were, I think, just over 75 billion in total value. So that's a huge hit. And I think the worst part about that is that the U.S.'s smallest wineries producing less than 5,000. I mean, that's a crucial route to market for them. And and they've largely been shut out of it. I mean, yes, there have been increases to DTC, uh, direct-to-consumer and e-commerce that have softened the blow a little bit, but it's, It's not good. And we don't expect the market to be close to normal until well into 2022. And I mean, the concerning thing is that is if we have a vaccine that's widely used. So, no, I I didn't think we'd be here. I think, you know, there's a whole whole other conversation about how we got here but at the end of the day you
0: know we we are not touching that we are not going to jump into that
1: (laughs) yeah don't worry those waters are too deep for me to wade into but clearly i mean we got to where we are it's not good and uh people are suffering for it And, Mm -hmm. and i think the worst part of this has been that it's not equal you know those smaller wineries that don't have good wholesale distribution or any they're really suffering whereas you know larger wineries that have a real strong presence in the retail channel and are at at the popular price point that we're seeing, which is right around still even more so, that $10 to $15 per $7.50, I mean, you know, it's not anything to their detriment, but they're doing really, really well because, I mean, the the off-premise, we saw the off-premise, what we've been calling the off-premise surge, you know, that was astounding. Um, I'm just looking at the um, value that was more than a, a billion in April. And you know, that was those are numbers that were higher than what's seen typically in November. So it was it was really surreal to be going into a, you know, this lockdown, you know, pandemic, what's gonna happen, and we were seeing sales figures that were outpacing the holidays, that which is the height of the, you know, the O and D or, or the top period of sales in the American market. So that, you know, I mean, people, some people, some companies have done really well. And, and, you know, I mean, I think that's if there's one overall positive, it could be that people kept buying and they have kept buying, you know, those people who still can work from home, you know, they've been supporting the brands and the wines they like, but no, I mean, it, it hasn't been an equal experience for everyone in the wine industry. And unfortunately, you know, that's why we're still, we're not, we're in a worse place than I thought we'd be in August.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned that you don't see this improving until 2022, if I'm not mistaken. And and you're right. I mean, you know, in terms of the U.S. market, there's so much going on right now. But for any small producers who are kind of listening, I mean, I think, as you mentioned direct-to-consumer, online sales. If you don't have that, don't think that this is just going to blow off in the next month and everything comes back to normal. I think there needs to be a strategy towards how we can live with this for the next few years, if anything, right? So for any small wineries or any wineries, perhaps, it's something to really have a game plan. And if you don't have it yet, I mean, this is hopefully your wake-up call, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit surreal because for me, you know, I speak at industry events and, and at the start of 2019, I don't know, 2020, at the end of 2019, you know, looking at DTC, which has been a real, a real sales bonanza for small arts and mid-tier to wineries, because, you know, you could, if you were making good wine in a well-known region and you had a pretty decent story... You could just count on, you know, significant DTC and you didn't need to worry too much about wholesale or, or even restaurants. But what I was saying even before all this happened was it's not it's not easy dollars anymore. And you needed to start thinking in a more targeted, specific, modern marketing way. You needed to be more strategic. You need to really understand who your consumers are and connect with them because Even if you're in your one region, you may have built a really successful DTC brand. Now you're competing with many more wineries. And with shipping opening up across the country, now, you know, a winery in the Anderson Valley of um, California selling Pinot DTC and doing well at really well at $40 a bottle. Now they're competing with uh, Oregon and vice Mm -hmm. versa. So that what you needed to do to kind of compete in that market, you really need to do to do now. I mean, and the nice thing is, though, consumers have been really open to virtual and uh, direct engagement. So that's that's good. And so the, if you if you do put together a good strategy based on, you know, understanding who your consumers are, effectively communicating to them, trying to offer discounted shipping or reduce shipping, if that's possible, you know, staying connected to your local market, actually curbside delivery has been very successful for wineries and local delivery too. And then targeted marketing, be it through social media or some other channels. I mean, you just, it's not, it's not easy, but the nice thing is that that consumers have been really receptive because they've been stuck at home and they've now seen how easy it is and consistently reliable it is to get good wine where they are. So.
0: Right, but' talking about that also regarding off premise I just saw recently the recent numbers. It's been down slightly in the last uh, month or so, so why is that? Because I always feel like during these times, as you mentioned e commerce and d to c but you know, I would assume also that off premise could work. Why are we seeing a slight slowdown?
1: You know it's slowed down a bit from those really high levels we saw at the start of this, and I think that's because you know, people aren't stocking up like they were in March and April. I mean, I know even from my personal perspective. I mean, we was was part of the thing that made this so disconcerting was we weren't sure how exactly it was spread, you know, and everyone had a lot of trepidation about just being in a store. Now it seems that, you know, common sense, you wear a mask. And so people might be going back a little bit back to their normal routines. And so they may not be, you know, shopping for a month, but maybe more back to like a couple of weeks. So, that could explain part of it there's a little bit more normalcy there and then you know they might be getting it through dtc and then kind of widening their their shopping so it's not just through the off premise channels
0: i see interesting now i want to talk a bit about jobs because that's one thing that's probably impacting a lot of people it's on everybody's mind you know the us obviously has seen a lot of people lose their jobs something over 20 million but you know actually one finds analytics you guys are very interesting. You also even have an area where it talks about jobs and job posts. So I want to get kind of pick your brain on that. Regarding the wine industry, you know, what, what jobs, you know, what's the future? What are the jobs of the future? But most importantly, what's going on around that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I actually was remissed in one of a, another key pillar of our company, our wider company is that We run winejobs.com, which is the uh, industry's leading job posting site. And so from that, we get data on, you know, the activity of winery hiring, the postings. And so we've tied a, on our data side, we've tied that to an index, which we call, you know, the winery job (laughs) index. And that has actually, that actually proved to be a very accurate predictor of the last recession. Uh, We saw that plunge and it really was indicative of wineries realizing that the market was changing, the economy was changing and so they were pulling back on hiring and uh yeah that was i mean uh, really shocking to see that plummet again back in through march through april i mean when we hit the low of april we we're significantly less than uh where we were uh that at the same time um last year it's rebounded a bit primarily driven through postings for production work so winemaker that type of thing, seller workers. And you know that's typical for that time of year, late spring, early summer because that's right around when the wineries are ramping up for the coming harvest. But we also saw some rebound in the in the sales and marketing uh, and even a little bit on DTC too. Unfortunately, that's that growth has moderated a bit on those on the more sales side, but you know, it's still it's getting back there, but we're still not where we were during a normal year and it and it's a little disappointing, a little concerning to see it dip again. Uh, and I think I attribute that to just the, the the lingering uncertainty of, you know, when is, when are we going to try and get to some place that's a little bit more more normal overall? So, yeah, so that's that's kind of the data side of it. And then just kind of looking long term, you know, we, um, I would say that definitely what I'm hearing about that's in, in really high demand is kind of, it's... <laughs> It's uh, e-commerce marketing to to run that, and then also data and analytics. Um, that's becoming increasingly more important to the industry. And and I kind of laugh because it sound it might sound self-serving, but I mean it's it's really what the industry needed to do because wine has always benefited from, you know, the appeal. The it really sells itself on tradition and kind of. Consumer, you know, the, the almost luxurious idea of wine consumption. But what we're finding in a, in a very competitive market is you can't rely on it. Kind of like what I was saying about the way DTC used to work, it, it, it was never really easy, but you didn't need to be maybe that strategic. Now wineries are really seeing the benefit of having a detailed, tactical approach to understanding their sales. And, you know, sales increases or sales decreases and, and kind of putting everything into context. So when they then they might have a really good year, they can better understand why and maybe understand that that was a bit of an aberration, not a really negative one, but just maybe not one to base their projections on. And so when you make a better projection, you're, you're going to be in a better position a year later, you know, based on the reality of what happened. So, you know, and that it's kind of following in just consumer packaged goods across the board, you know, this is not new stuff, but it's a bit relatively new to the wine industry. So that there's a lot of demand there. And then, you know, on the hospitality side, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that changes. And if that is just going to be a matter of time, or if that's going to be some of these things that get fundamentally changed. And maybe hospitality people is less about, you know, just pouring wine, but more about engagement. And, you know, part of your day is, Working email, making, hosting a, a, a virtual session, being on the phones, connecting with consumers directly, which paid off quite well for a lot, a lot of wineries this summer. So that nature of work could be changing as well.
0: Right. Well, I find that to be very interesting because, of course, for many, you know, many people have been affected by this and have lost their jobs in the wine industry. So, Andrew, just as you mentioned, looking into probably retooling a little bit into understanding data analytics would always be a benefit. And as you mentioned as well, is e-commerce marketing, right? Anything like that for social media. There's a lot of wineries right now that are trying to engage via social media. So if you are retooling, I think it's always a good you know, something to to have in your back pocket to make you stand out from everybody who's also looking for jobs. And and I find that to be very interesting, as you mentioned. But one of the things as well, as I'm sure everybody's thinking, you know, harvest is coming up, you're based out in Napa, you have a little bit more time before it all kind of kicks off. But generally speaking, you know, how are wineries preparing for COVID during, uh, sorry, for, for the new vintage during this time during COVID? And can they find people? I mean, how is this all going to work out?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a big question. And one that I was talking with folks about a month ago. They were really having a lot of lengthy meetings trying to plan that through. So I know I guess I'll start off with the the operations of crush. And you know, a lot of wineries in the US still use the traditional kind of sorting tables where Grapes come in on bins, they're dumped, they go through a rough sort, and then you have workers pulling leaves, you know, what we call mog or material other than grapes. And and they're standing next to each other uh, for long periods of times, and it's really not ideal for the COVID-19 situation, and in the cellar, too. I mean, there's a little bit more space, but when people are running around doing pump-overs, punch-downs, you're in a lot of close proximity, you're talking, you're yelling at a, at a forklift driver so you he can hear you, you know, you're, you're, everyone's crawling over barrels together in the topping them or, or racking them. So, they had to do a lot of planning to try and keep people safe, and it's kind of keeping those operations separate from other parts of the company, you know, trying to do regular communications with the staff. So if anyone doesn't feel well, they know that they should stay home, get checked out. If they are exposed to a friend or family to let, you know, their employer know and work through that. So that, you know, remains to be seen. But I think a lot of people, how how that's going to work, but I think a lot of people have pretty good plans in place. And I'm seeing a lot of stuff on social media of, you know, harvest beginning and everyone's masked up and then they're just going to try and work through it. You know, the, the kind of the trend in Napa and other parts of California that's interesting is that a lot of wineries are already investing heavily in reducing the number of people on their crush pads and in the cellar. Because that just made really good business sense because there's there's been a long term shortage of available labor. And so it wasn't also just saving money on labor. It was not having the, the crews to work harvest. So there has been a lot of automation and there's a lot of equipment that you can replicate the quality of of hands-on labor. So I think that's going to help. But, you know, we're just starting. So I don't know what it's going to be like through the rest of the vintage. But uh, I hope there's not a lot of problems with that. So,
0: Right. Well, we're just going to have to see how it all goes, right? <laughs> So listen, Andrew, this has been a fantastic conversation for anybody who's interested in learning more about what you guys do and how your services might actually be useful to them. I'm going to put all the information in the show notes so you guys can go and check it out. Andrew, this has been really fantastic. I hope everything in Napa is going well. And most importantly, I hope you guys all have a good harvest coming up.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I wish I Unfortunately, we have uh, evacuation orders in effect for parts of Napa County right now. The we had some lightning and thunder and when that caused some some wildfires. So, I hope that gets under control very soon and that no one uh, is injured in those, but, you know, yeah. So that's not, it's like, what else could we get this year? So, but hopefully we can um, get through that and all the other ongoing issues with the pandemic and have another great vintage in California and the rest of the states.
0: Right. You know, one thing that um, my partner told me today is the one thing about 2020 is that it's very consistent. <laughs> so yeah. so that's one thing we can count on is that everything's just going to happen. You know, to be honest, it's just, it's going to be a horrible year and it's just going to be very consistent. <laughs>
1: Very consistently, consistent chaos. Uh, And yeah, 2020 can't come to an end soon enough.
0: Uh, Not at all. Well, listen, Andrew, fantastic to speak with you and looking forward to catching up one day face to face.
1: Great. Thank you, Emily. I really appreciate this. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.